What's happening, everybody? Christy Francesco, Johnny Havoc, George Rogers, for those who are new, are here with you. Brand new episode of the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. George, it's uh, it's been about a minute. How you doing, man? You know, I'm doing good. And the, the, the entire time that we were gone, there's been... The whole wrestling world has turned upside down. In both major companies. <laughs> I know. One for the good and one for the continued bad. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's been absolutely wild, man. It's it's been a wild ride. If you you know, if you're listening to this show, obviously you're a wrestling fan. Um a lot of, I know a lot of people listen to this show from a nostalgia purpose, which is why I do the the shows to begin with. Um, but if you do follow current stuff. It's um the last few months have just been absolutely crazy. CM Punk's been hired and fired again. Um, I'm I'm assuming this is the last time he'll show up with a major wrestling company. Chris, um, since since you're a, obviously a lot more knowledgeable than I am uh, in in the world of professional wrestling, has there ever been a time where? Big Vinny Mac has lost an entire market in the way that Tony Khan has lost the entire city of Chicago. I mean, it's almost like it's funny you said that because remember the years where everyone said, well, uh, WCW killed off Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. And they, they really didn't. I mean, Charlotte was dead in wrestling for a long time. Uh, I cannot believe a city, a wrestling city like Chicago, which I would actually put probably number one in in wrestling market i put um philadelphia too i think chicago is just a a wild wild wrestling market to kill that city you gotta be pretty shitty to kill that off it's it's one thing to post your video announcement hey i had to fire sim well first thing first things first you didn't have to do that at all, mm-hmm. which also makes me think, yeah, maybe this is a work, but I also don't care because if it is, there's no real payoff and it's just bad writing all over the place. Agreed. But like you, you didn't have to post a video, but then you post it and you're like, I feared for my life. Yeah. You're going to tell wrestling fans that you feared for your life. These are people who well, not the current ones because they don't do that. But people of our generation uh, used to go to old, to the old ECW arena and throw bottles and heroin needles and chairs into the ring at Balls Mahoney. So don't tell me about you fearing for your life when you're trying to get to your car parked on a on the old 2800 block in Philly. Like like you feared for your life. Like uh, even Corn even Cornette's like or no not 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 Cornette because you know he'd be even Russo's like dude you don't have a heavy in that locker room to like have around you. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Like, come on. You you can't and then you he, can't blow this by us. Come on. And then he came out and spoke to the crowd and then tried to adhere to them, like, hey, I grew up in Chicago too. It's like, dude, you've lost them. You lost <laughs> them. Like the whole crowd is booing you away. Even Vince goes back to Montreal. <laughs> I know. Uh that's a great point. I didn't I didn't even think about that. Um so we are here tonight to cover um like look October like September October is like my favorite month to do wrestling because I love 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 going back to old fall brawls and Halloween havocs and Starcade you're a big Starcade fan especially Starcade ninety seven especially Starcade I might just cover that again just so I can have a chance to talk about it again um but like it's what what's so amazing uh, about this is we growing up. You watch wrestling and we all watch either WCW or um, WWF. You always thought, and we did for the longest time, that my goodness, like WCW is so bad. It is. Don't let me. But it's like one of those things where it's like, it's like your kryptonite, but you, you want it so bad. And I love, love, I don't know why I expose myself to it, but I love watching WCW now. And it has been that way for like two years now where I don't know what it is, but it's like that car crash that I just want to keep going back and seeing. Um, It's it's like ordering Papa John's pizza. Yeah. Like, you know, it's terrible and you know, it's awful. And you know, you have Sal's and Scotto within spitting distance, but you're like, you know what? I'm going to get Papa John's. I'm going to treat the family to Papa John's. It's hardly (laughs) a treat. Right. I know. 
I but agree. you're like, but you're like, I don't know why I love this disgusting pizza. And it's it's gonna cause me all sorts of digestive issues. But God damn it, give me some more breadsticks. I'm gonna question the complete meaning of life when the Yete walks out. I'm gonna be like, why am I even breathing the same air? It's like he was wasn't he frozen in a block of ice and all of a sudden he's a mummy? Is there's no ice in Egypt? It's like close to the equator. That doesn't happen. There is nothing better than the announcing of WCW from like 97 to like 95 to like 94 to around like late 97. Like it was just so good. Every pay-per-view was the greatest event in the history of the sport. Poor Bobby uh, Heenan. He just had to try. He was just trying his best. Shivani didn't care. He's collecting a paycheck. Much oh, like yeah. Shivani now. He's collecting a paycheck. I know. I know. <laughs> so um, obviously, if you guys clicked on this show, you know that what we are covering tonight is Halloween Havoc from 1995. Boy, oh boy, is this um well it's I, a pay-per-view. It's it's um it's something. If anything, it's something. And at, at bare bones, it's a wrestling event. At bare bones, it was something happened inside the arena that evening. Um, and outside the arena on top of the uh Kobo Center or whatever the fuck that was called. Yep, yep. They said it ten times throughout the show, and I still can't remember because I didn't care enough to pay attention. Hey, look, you know. <laughs> Regardless of what we're saying, um, I do think this is one of the worst pay-per-views in WCW history. I really do. Um, but they packed in 13,000 people to the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. Um, hey, Detroit was a big city for wrestling. It it actually was. Um, you know, Detroit just I – always, I always wonder why they never really go back that often because it is a really good city – um for for pro wrestling i know it's it always did well for wcw it did well uh for wwe or wwf back then um so who knows i don't know um do they even i'm trying to think i mean they still have they had the new red wings arena um and i don't know where the pistons play but regardless um oh well notwithstanding this was shit but we're gonna get into it um so this occurred on october uh 29th 1995 so stinking long ago so uh, also chris do you also know what happened this night in 1995 in october 29th i don't know the braves won the world series oh that's so why did i not know that wow that's amazing because they even mentioned when they mentioned us on like the it was like i think it was like the best of wcw or like the history of wcw one of the dvds shivani mentioned he's like yeah he was talking about the event he's like well it was bad but when we all got backstage we found the braves won the world series so it wasn't all that bad oh okay (laughs) um fun fact for everybody the monster truck aspect of this pay-per-view which we will definitely talk about uh this was taped great length yeah this was taped uh, those parts were taped the day prior. Um, God, I, I can't wait to talk about it because it literally, I think, is the worst thing I've ever seen on wrestling television. Um, but let's let's dive into this here. Um, Halloween Havoc, October 29th, 1995. Um, the buildup to this show was all about Hulk Hogan versus the green as grass giant, which is, you know, the big show, Paul White. Um for the WCW title uh, at fall brawl, the war games match was won by team Hogan. Um, but of course that celebration was short lived with the giant um, just completely coming in and, and clearing house and raining on that parade. Um, the show begins like most WCW shows in this era with an absolutely terrible video package uh, talking about the main event, by the way, uh, what is your favorite thing about 1995 uh wcw um wrestling uh george and why is it the uh and why is it the dungeon of doom first things first uh i'm gonna i'm gonna correct myself <laughs> october 28th was the day that the world series ended because they were talking about the monster truck ride. since that was filmed the day before mm-hmm. they said when they got done all that that's when they found out that the brazen world series so my fault on that one um but the dungeon of doom is let's see they're not awful. They're not good. They're not even mid. They're just, it, it's a collection of people that Hulk Hogan knew. Yeah. And was like, hey, you know what's going to be great? When if we I beat give you. them, If we give them all the worst <laughs> gimmicks in history, hype them up like they're the worst villains from the worst horror movies ever made. And then Hogan 
can't find any Hulkamaniacs here because it's so dark, and then becomes Dark Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Now, I've watched Hulk Hogan overcome the odds numerous times. I've watched this man slam Andre yep. on the deck of the Titanic, clanging and banging for 40 days and 40 <laughs> nights. But there was nothing, there was nothing more satisfying, n- nothing more the peak of Hulk Hogan's career than beating Kamala in WCW. There is nothing and the rest like of the it. Du- and the rest of the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, just absolutely terrible. But look, you know, they show, um, thank God, you know, technology has really spoiled us because these video packages just did not age well whatsoever. And let me just say, like, one of the things, like, look, in 1995, WCW was slowly on that climb um, to legitimately being a competitor to the WWF. But, I, you know, as awful as both companies were in 1995, because look, make no mistake about it from like 93 to like early 96, the WWF and WCW were absolute pure unadulterated garbage. Um, But I will always say this about the WWF. When you watch like this pay-per-view just for itself, the production quality was literally like watching, trying to watch EC, like an ECW event, on you know a television station that most people didn't have like the production quality of wcw was so bad it was so grungy and it was just you know i oh mr softy's driving by i know dean's hot about that but i'm sorry george is hot maybe, about that right now maybe he'll come by here that son of a bitch except he didn't come by at all today i've been home all day yeah he just he just passed um dirt uh, dirt bag go go get me some <laughs> ice cream and then hold it in your freezer till next time i come over Okay, that's fine. Um, And uh, but the production quality of the WWE was always so good. They made their shit look really good. (laughs) It looked good. Um, And it was always that's why I think that back then it was just kind of like easier to watch a WWE show because the production quality was so good, which is so weird to me because you would think on Turner Broadcasting, you know, they would want a better uh, quality product to show the consumer. But it just just wasn't great it's real easy to mock characters like duke the dumpster drosy and mantar and doink the clown but for every one of those that vince had over in the north Mm -hmm. wcw had the dungeon of doom and we're literally featuring over the hill wrestlers or wrestlers who were just hogan's boys that had no business being on tv anymore and i'm looking at you nasty boys (laughs) <laughs> like the nasty boys were always featured. It's like, Oh, the nasty boys are in a tag match. Well, well, well why? why, well, why am I watching the nasty boys when you have like Malenko and Benoit on like doing dark matches? Like, yeah. why am I seeing Hacksaw Jim Duggan fighting for a title? Like dudes in his forties. I don't care now. Like, I know it's, there's just, it, it really was anything. It really wasn't anything there. I mean, once they kind of started letting some of that younger mid card, <laughs> Ascend the mid card. I'm not saying ascend the fucking main event. That wasn't happening, brother. That didn't work for. <laughs> that, that didn't work for some people. No. But once they start letting them ascend, they're like, all right. So there are these gems here, and then that's when mm-hmm. Vince was like, all right, we need to step up our game and see what we can do. But as you said, th- there was a time when it was rough to watch both companies. Yeah. And you would think with all the money that Turner had, yeah, and the '90s dude was swimming in it. Oh yeah. It could have just. Fl- like floated a little bit more to the crew to yeah. make it not look like I'm watching TNN on nine yeah. o'clock on Friday. I agree. Cause remember you're, this is a television company, not a wrestling company. So wrestling. Think, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. that's right. They're in the wrestling business. Well, that's great, Ted. I'm in the sports entertainment business. Um, <laughs> he, he definitely snuck in a pal there at the end. Um, that's funny. Um, so you know, they, the, the, the announcers talk about the Hogan and giant monster trucks that would be going head to head on the show as well. Man, this is this is 90s WCW. Uh, we are greeted by the announcers for the night. Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, they talk a little bit about the matches for the evening before sending it over, um, sending it to a package for the first match. Just a couple little things here. Like the monster truck thing to get this started is just ridiculous at its highest level. Like going back and watching this. You know, I had, you know, 
a, a, I wouldn't say a vague recollection of this show, but I obviously I remember this being the Halloween havoc of the monster trucks. And, you know, this was just so, you know, I understand trying to be different, but my God, you could have come up literally, honestly, with anything else in the world. And it would have been less ridiculous than monster trucks. Um, look, and I understand in the 90s, monster trucks were a really big deal. And I get it. But that doesn't mean they belong in a pro wrestling program because it doesn't. What in the world, George, did they believe in that writer's table, in that writer's room? What in the world did they think were at, was actually going to come out of this? Well, this is this is all I'm going to tell you about this. Um, and this is just me kind of spitballing, knowing how things work in the different parts of the country. WCW's home office is, a, is in Atlanta, mm-hmm. like deep in Dixie, with yeah. you know where everything is. And I'm sure I'm going to offend. I you know what? fuck you. I don't care if I offend. Where it's all just white trash, yeah. like hillbilly types. So while they're watching her wrestling. Hey, why not throw us some monster trucks too? It's like you're ticking all the boxes for like a white trash breakfast. Like the only thing this was missing was an appearance by Kyle Petty or Dale Earnhardt. Like you're yes. you're one NASCAR star away from for from hitting a bingo on the white trash bingo card. Yeah, yeah. It, like um, I and where's my? I remember monster trucks essentially being a big thing but not so much as monster trucks themselves being a big thing everybody i knew and all my friends everybody as far as were as far as we were all concerned there was only one king of the monster trucks and it was fucking gravedigger yep i still like i still think that i was like yeah i know bigfoot was whatever but i feel like bigfoot was like the 80s but then like once gravedigger came along and you just like you saw that design on that truck. Everyone thought oh. that was the coolest fucking thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And shame oh. on Vin. And sh- Mr. Softy's sh- coming back. That son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I want Mr. I want Mr. Softy main event night one of WrestleMania. We're gonna go. We're gonna go toe to fucking toe. Mr. Softy um, versus Jack and Jill's in a ladder match. Oh, Mr. Softy's got that in a win. <laughs> Jack and Jill's. J- J- Jack and J- Jack and Jill is like NWA right now. They ain't bringing anything to the fucking table. <laughs> They're nothing that's, right that's now. Funny. They're on YouTube. The, <laughs> um, but like, and shame on Vince for not trying to do some sort of co-op thing with the Undertaker and Gravedigger because I feel like that oh. would have been just a match made in heaven. It but even been. Vince is like, nah, pal. This is this no. I know. <laughs> so funny. Um, as close as they got was when Austin drove that monster truck over the Rock's car. <laughs> oh my god, this is so good. Um. Another thing I will say also about this pay-per-view, and it's about all pay-per-views, I feel like, in that 95 to 98, I love the chemistry of of this announced team. Um, obviously, you know, Shivani and uh, Dusty with um, with Bobby the Brain Heenan is just awesome. But I loved when it was just Shivani and Bobby Heenan. Uh, I thought they worked so well off of each other. And... Um, you know, I've always said this for years. Tony Schiavone is my second favorite play-by-play man ever. Um, and that's because, you know, I just, I grew up, you know, I watched WCW Saturday night every single, every Saturday. I watched Nitro uh, often, whether I recorded it or I watched it live. Um, and like, again, just like, I mean, I'm going to have to say this too. I mean, Michael Cole is literally the voice of our lives. People don't want to admit that, but Michael Cole has missed one television show since 1997. So he has been there. I mean, I was, we were, I was 11 years old in 1997. I'm going to be 37. I've had Michael Cole significantly longer than we ever had Jim Ross. So I mean, facts, facts. I mean, realistically, I mean, Shivani and um, I would have to say, I mean, Ross is, is my favorite. Um, Shivani would be my number two uh, as play-by-play guys, not overall broadcasters. My favorite ever is 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 Bobby Heenan. Uh, I just love Bobby. God, he was so good. And I wish I wish Roddy Piper would have done color a lot longer because Piper was tremendous as well. Um, but you know, we're getting I'm getting off topic here. But let's kind of but just want to say that I loved the broadcasting 
of the early, uh, you know, the mid to late nineties of WCW. So I give him credit for that. Um, first match of the night here is for the WCW television title match. And in the mid to late nineties, there's only two guys that you could guarantee was starting every single pay-per-view. It was diamond Dallas page or Johnny B bad here. They're facing each other. What a glorious time it was to be alive. Um, so, you know, Paige is here. And as you talk about a box of gimmicks, in 1995, DDP was gimmick central. And it was very distracting, but at least he had Kimberly Page. So at least we had that. And like, Max Muscle. We all need Max Muscle. Um, I never even heard of this fucking guy until I watched this pay-per-view. I, don't know. I saw him come now. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> um, you know, and again, uh, this is a far cry from what DDP would be in about two years. Um, but still, DDP in 1995 was still a damn good worker, by the way. Um, and I and I thought he was so good during this match as well. Um, but at the end, uh, after 18 and a half minutes, George, 18 and a half minutes for Diamond Dallas Page and Johnny B. Bad. Um, your winner and new TV title, uh, TV champion is Johnny B. Bad. 18, almost 19 minutes. Dear God. There, there was a lot of dead time in that match, too. There yeah. was a lot of filler. Yep, there was. Especially when the uh, especially when the fan ran into the ring. Yeah. <laughs> um, and by fan, you mean Max Muscle. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I gave this match around two and a half, three stars. I mean, it was a pretty average match. There was a point, a couple points during the match. You could tell Johnny B. Bad just blew up a couple times. Um, and that's, you know, Paige had the upper hand for most of it. Um, but I will say at this time, man, you know, uh, Johnny B. Bad was, was kind of ahead of his time as far as like, you know, you know, America's high flying standards, as it were. Um, he showed some really good athleticism back then. You know, Paige was a big boy too. People forget how big uh DDP is. He's like six five. Um, and I just felt like these two kind of worked pretty well together. I thought the beginning was a little rough in spots, but like you said, I mean they had to go 19 minutes, so there's gonna be points where these two guys aren't gonna look great, but um you know, huge props to Johnny B. Bad and DDP here to get the pay-per-view started. Um, I still think Johnny B. Bad had a, a better match the previous month. I think it was Fall Brawl against Brian Billman. I thought that was a really good match. Uh, we'll cover that pay-per-view soon. Um, but there wasn't anything terrible about this. The um, only thing that kind of like made me think uh, about the match was the ending, mm-hmm. where it was like the, the weakest clothesline from a guy with large arms, like Max Muscle just like missing Johnny Bad and hitting DDP, and then that was the end. I'm like, that's the end of the match. Yeah, that was that was a like, bad ending. Yeah, it Again, didn't look good. It didn't translate well. But that was like the story of WCW. Their finishes were always bad, always. Um, and I don't understand it. I just don't understand why you can't just come up with a regular fucking standard beat them in the middle of the ring, Val. Mm-hmm. Um, the next match is a five star clinic anywhere in the world. Let me anywhere, just, anywhere, anywhere, especially in Japan at six stars. Absolutely. Um, the Zodiac versus the Macho Man Randy Savage. I really hope there was like an extra zero in that check for Randy Savage to do this match on a Round massive pay per view. He had to deal with a pretty big zero in that ring. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> so, um, so this uh this match ended in approximately 90 seconds, and I give this negative one star. Um, but I will, you know, that's not to say I had like standards. I had no standards for this match. Anyone watching this show knew it was going to be a squash. You just knew it. Um, you know, when the most exciting thing about the match was another fan jumping in the ring. Like, you know, there is just isn't much going on. By the way, if that fan didn't jump in the ring the match would have been probably 30 seconds. So uh, we got, we got an extra minute of brood eye. So I, you know, I have to thank them for that. Right. I'm just kidding. Fuck him. Um, You know, but it's always, it's always good seeing Macho Man do his thing in this time period. Um, So that was a plus. Um, But other than that though, I, I guess it just was a means to an end and it was 
it was what it was, right? What was the um, end? Well, I don't even know what the means was. It just it was just like there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it led to, to Macho having a second match of the night, you know, versus Lex or Ming, right? So uh, it was something. I don't know. Um, maybe they knew they were going to give the fans horse shit, so let me just give them an extra 90 seconds of Macho Man. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's give him an, let's get, just slip an extra dollar. I know. Mean Gene is backstage and puts over the WCW hotline, something that we will remember forever. One nine hundred nine zero nine ninety nine hundred. It's a dollar forty nine your very first minute, and then ninety nine permission before you call. Right, and then it's ninety nine cents. Basically, if you talk for two minutes, you're going to get a bill for forty seven dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really what it was. Um, he that he is then joined by the new TV champ Johnny B. Bad, who talks about telling all the kids to believe in themselves and they can achieve anything. Um, Gene asked DDP um, in which bad uh, asks about DDP in which uh, bad replies with never giving up and how he will never quit WCW, whatever the hell that means. Um, it's and funny then because a few months later <laughs> he was gone. Yes. So funny. Uh, the next match, like you could have asked 12 million people, to guess where the next match could be, and all 12 million would never have assumed Road Warrior Hulk versus Kurosawa with Colonel Robert Parker. Um, George, who booked this shit? Who the fuck is Kurosawa? I don't even know who this guy is. Oh, is this where, like, all the... All the tape chairs who listen are gonna send me fucking DMs on Instagram. Be like, "Go, oh, how do you know who Kurosawa was? Were you a fake wrestling fan?" Oh, don't worry, Dave Meltzer's burner will attack you. Yeah, good. So Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, this match stems from the summer um, at Clash of Champions when these two were on the opposite sides, and uh, Kurosawa tried to break Hawk's arm. This is a very rare. Singles match for Hawk. Um, as we all know, he's usually he looks with... so confused. I know, I know, he really does. Um, but boy, he came out firing, physical as hell. Um, however, Kurosawa ends up getting uh the win from help from Colonel uh Robert Parker at the end. Um, he gets the win after three minutes and 15 seconds. The match wasn't good. I mean, what the hell else were you expecting? Um, you don't expect like a technical masterpiece here. Um, even with that particular knowledge, this was still below average. You know, Hawk had most of the offense and took it, you know, and took on, you know, Kurosawa and Robert Parker throughout points of this. Um, but look, that's two short matches in a row here, dude. Like, do you think they regret giving 19 minutes to the opener or maybe the reason for that 19 minutes was, look, you're going to see some pretty shitty things coming up. So enjoy this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, even have an answer for that. one. It, it's completely okay. You really kind of shouldn't um, back with me and Gene, who was with the macho man. Macho just rambles on and talks about his upcoming match with Luger. Um, they were teammates the month prior at fall ball, a uh, fall ball, fall ball. Easy for me to say at a uh, fall brawl, but a little dissension in that match in the weeks leading up to this caused a little bit of a rift between the two. Uh, he says he's going to show Luger who a real man is. Um, yeah, that real man ended up taking Miss Elizabeth there, brother. brother. <laughs> Gene brings up the monster truck battle uh, later in the night. Macho says he is in team Hogan all the way. Um, and then it goes on to our next just absolute that, classic that, that, that probably pained him to say that. Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Uh, next match here is Mr. JL versus, you guessed it, Sabu. What a piece of shit match this was. Like I- with with the original Sheik for some fucking reason. Like all all the, the original Sheik he built the Kobo Center. N- no nobody cared. It's just so outside bad. of fucking Detroit. It's uh, ain't like Bruno built in Madison Square Garden. Like no, this I was mean, just this was as big a garbage as I've ever seen in anything. So, and because I didn't know who JL was, and I should have. It's right there in front of my face. I'm like, literally never heard of this guy. Let me click on the name. And then I'm like, I bet this is fucking Jerry Lynn. And it was Jerry Lynn. I'm like, of yeah. fucking course it was. Yeah. I, 
It was just so bad. Like we were they trying to say he was like a luchador or like a Japanese wrestler or something with the mask. I have no idea. Um, Iron Mike today wasn't there to give us his entire, you know, Japanese backstory. Um, But I mean, look, Sabu capitalized with another move with like his eighth moonsault of the match gets the win at three minutes, 25 seconds. We get Shiki baby here to shoot a fireball at Jerry Lynn after the match for some god awful reason. Who knows? Don't you call him Shiki baby? He's not Shiki baby. He's just the Sheik. He's not the Iron Sheik. I'm sorry, you're right. Iron Sheik would have Iron Sheik would have probably like set him on fire and then shot him obscenity <laughs> while telling Hulk Hogan to fuck himself. That's probably true. Make him <laughs> humble. Um, I will say, like, I don't think I've ever seen so many moon salts in one match in my life. Like, the match began with one. It ended with one. At least he hit them all. Yeah, that's true. Um, I can't believe they even got Sabu to pass a drug test to walk down that aisle. Don't worry. It didn't last long. (laughs) No, I'm sure. Um, So um, it's another short match, though. Three minutes, 25 seconds. Get in, get out. That's okay. I'm all right with that with this one. Um, Tony and Bobby are here now. They continue to hype up the main event. The first half of the show has just been... I mean, just a real freaking treat. Like, I I don't even know. You know, here we get this weird, just weird Dungeon of Dune backstage promo where Kevin Sullivan is fucking drooling on himself while he's trying to cut a promo. And the other guy is, I guess, probably staring at cue cards or something. I guess he's called the master. They talk about bringing down Hulkamania. The master tells Kevin Sullivan that not only will he destroy it in WCW, but around the globe. And then Sullivan, who is trying to keep a wad of saliva in his mouth, talks about an insurance policy that they have for Hulk Hogan later on tonight. I I don't know, man. Uh, this was just... Can't, I mean, look, I loved old Dungeon and Doom stuff because it was so bad to watch, but what what was this like what and we I mean, all know and we all know sullivan booked it all but yeah. like what was this george like what was it please tell me somebody tell me i i can't figure this shit out <laughs> like i mean it's it, it's the it's like the genesis of the who booked this crap like signs you would see all over the place it, it made it made no sense i know i know and it wasn't even backstage they brought them out like on the stage and let them talk to the people live. Oh my god, I know. They exposed like, themselves to this. Fucking bad. Like it's <laughs> fucking bad. Like it is. The, like the Dungeons of Doom, where it was like the, the top heels in WSW. Get the fuck out of here. Yes. 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 Why don't you just it have was- Hogan face a fucking a cardboard box for a half hour? Well, I mean <laughs> <laughs> um all right, so we're gonna take a quick uh, a quick uh, break here. We're gonna come back and we'll wrap up this just eight star pay per view. Um, this is the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. No, this isn't a rerun. It is nine o'clock on Saturday, September sixteenth, twenty twenty three, and we're uh, we're back, baby, and we're covering a, a great show here. And we have another good one coming up next week, but we'll talk all about that um, on the other side here. Uh, I'm Chris. That's George. And we'll be right back in just a few seconds. Welcome back. Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Johnny Havoc. Christy Francesco is here with you. And we're just getting to the good parts. Um, uh, after the tremendous uh, Dungeon of Dune. Uh, Doom. Uh, Dune. God, man. Easy for me to say again. Dungeon of Doom promo. We are back to uh, Tony and Bobby who talk about the Yeti. And how it will be making an appearance tonight after breaking out of ice. You heard that right, everyone. The mummy, the Yeti, he broke out of its ice capsule on Monday. Now, a Yeti breaking out of ice makes all the sense in the world. Correct. Because the Yeti is the mythical creature that apparently hangs around the Himalayas and harasses you know, the climbers and lives up there. So it makes all the sense in the world to me. What doesn't make any sense in the world to me is why it looks like a mummy. (laughs) That was my favorite part. Um, So uh, Heenan talks more about how dangerous Sullivan can be and that tonight will prove it. They shoot backstage where Mean Gene is with Hogan wearing the Hollywood gear, brother. Um, And his gear, uh, his crew gearing up 
for their monster truck battle. Earlier in the show, just to remind everyone, there was a point where they were showing Giant and Hogan driving the monster trucks. Fun fact for everybody, that was like uh that was just basically a video that was shown over and over again because it was the same thing if you go back and watch. It's like Hogan paid for like to ride with a professional who was actually driving the truck. Like Hogan and and show or uh, um, the giant weren't actually driving the truck. Not sure if that's surprising um, for everybody, but it's funny when you go back now and you watch the videos and it looks like Hogan's all serious. Like he knows how to drive a monster truck. No, that's him playing with a toy steering wheel, brother. He gets the toy steering wheel while uh, somebody is actually driving the truck for him. That was my favorite little tidbit I learned today, by the way. <laughs> um, Hogan is there um, to present a new Harley Davidson motorcycle, which is won by a fan who entered the WCW contest for it. They are also joined by various members of Harley Davidson. Hogan gives the winner Mike Hall the keys and talks about his upcoming battle with the Giant later in the night. Um Gene talks to the people from Harley Davidson as they present a custom jacket and hat to Matt to Mike as well. Um, just great product placement. You doing... I, I I like how he's talking to like you know, one of the guys that works for Harley Davidson, like that Tony Corelli. He's like, oh Tony Corelli, but then he kept calling him Cadillac Jack, and he kept calling him that too. It's like it's like Hulk. What what the fuck did you just give this guy a name? Yeah, he's like at least just call, at least be like a chill here with my buddy, the real Harley Davidson. Hey, Harley, why don't you tell me how you built this bike, brother? <laughs> like, why don't you just like say something like that instead of just giving us like, yeah, this is my friend here, Cadillac Jack. It's like that is not Cadillac Jack. Cadillac like Jack, that. first of all, Cadillac Jack was an old DJ for WOGL in Philly and like, yeah, like, like, like 30 years ago. Cadillac Jack and High Lit, like, they ran that city. Like, don't yep. tell me. <laughs> Cadillac Jack is his gimmick, yo. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, Hogan ends the promo talking about the Giants some more, um, just rambling on, rambling on. It was basically just product placement promo. Um, uh, there's a commercial for WCW World War III on November 26th, which we will be covering next month. Uh, actually, two months from now. I will be covering uh, World War III in November. Uh, and will be, you know, that um, something that I'm looking forward to covering for sure. Uh, for those who don't know, World War III was basically WCW's answer to the Royal Rumble, except they have three rings and 60 men compete. Um, so I, I can't wait to read and watch this one and try to keep up with it. Um, <laughs> the next match is uh, Ming with the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, versus the total package Lex Luger. So, uh, you know, the winner of this match will also have a second match against Savage. Um, both of these men were also on the opposing teams of War Games the month prior. Um, and look, this match went a little over 13 minutes. I can't believe any match involving Ming went over friggin' 13 minutes. Even going over like five minutes is a lot for a Ming match. Um, but the winner by DQ is Lex Luger here. Um, it ends with uh, the power slam by Luger as Sullivan rolls a golden spike into the ring for Ming, who hits Luger with it. As he goes for the pin, Sullivan gets in the ring and kicks Luger, causing the referee to DQ him and give Luger the win. Um, can I ask why Sullivan rolls into the ring after Ming connects with Luger with the golden spike? Like, can I ask what the point of that was? Well... You can ask. <laughs> you can see what happened was. Um, Knowing what we know that happens later in, in, in this pay-per-view, it makes not sense. I mean... But it's understand. It's like, oh, okay. Right. I see what they were going for. Yeah, yeah. But... You had to make sure to get Luger the win without making, I guess, Ming look bad. So... <sighs> Was Ming going to be Sullivan a... look like a, make Kevin Sullivan look like a dope though? It did exactly, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Myrtle. Um, Myrtle, God. <laughs> um, standing backstage with Mean Gene is the giant in a beautiful jumpsuit. Um, he grabs Gene's hand and the mic. He talks about Hogan not being man enough to meet him at the top of Kobo Hall. 
Uh, he says it'll be machine versus machine up there, and there's no way Hogan can overpower him. He says he is going to push him off the roof, and he will roll back into the ring and win the title. So we're already, you know, talking about committing murder. So that's always a positive. Well, uh, once again, who booked this event? You're you're right. You're good point. Um, Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me when I'm telling lies. <laughs> Gene, Gene asks him about the match, the title match, the main event. The Giant says if Hogan survives the truck battle and murder, uh, he will defeat him tonight for the title. The Giant walks away as Gino sends it back to the ring. The next match is Flying Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson versus Sting and the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Um, you know, Pillman and Anderson are members of the four horsemen here. Last the previous month at Fall Brawl, Anderson and Flair had an emotional uh, uh wrestling match with Anderson coming out on top. Uh, Sting is a U.S. champ and obviously the long term rival of Flair, so it was interesting, you know, seeing them together here. Um, Sting is out there though with no Flair in sight, uh, making it a handicap match to start. Um, but look, you know. Player came to the ring later on and, as expected, just nail Sting right away. And all three members uh, of the Horsemen here, three of the four, start to beat on Sting as a referee. Throws out the match at just over 17 minutes. So the winners is Sting and Ric Flair. Um, look, I, I gave this three stars. You know, this, although it's two, it's back-to-back matches on a pay-per-view with a DQ finish, which I don't like, this was the most entertaining match on the entire show. And it's not saying much, but it was, you know, Sting was in the entire match. Um, He had a really good outing. I thought Um, this was, you know, essentially a handicap match because there was no one there for, for Sting until later. Um, I thought Anderson and Pillman worked well together as a team. Uh, I enjoyed the match for the most part. What did you think? I mean, yeah, but it's a damn shame that it got buried under all this monster truck bullshit because I know, when the match happened, I was like, oh, Sting and Flair are on this pay-per-view. Like, yeah. like they were a total fucking afterthought. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I agree. such as this era of WCW. Yeah. Um, Mike Tanay is backstage with Lex Luger. He asked Luger about his match with the Macho Man coming up. Uh, Luger talks about the forces in the world championship Jesus wrestling. Fucking Christ, this was a rough promo to get they, through. Yeah, he was always a pretty shitty promo. Um, not wanting him to come out on top. He said people want this match to happen for reasons unknown to him. He says when that when the bell rings, friendships won't matter, and that he will beat the Macho Man Randy Savage, and then he will win the WCW title from Hogan. Uh, he says he's going to take him apart piece by piece. They go back to the ring. Uh, where we are shown a package where we see the history of Hogan and the giant, just a rich, rich history. Um, But did they outwardly say that giant was supposed to be the son of Andre? Was that ever outwardly said, or was it just implied? And then we went from there. It was, see, I don't know for a hundred percent fact, but I, I know, I know it was implied. Because I know even when Haynes talking about him later, he's like, I know this kid. I know this kid's father real well. Exactly. It's like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's it, it, it's weird because like Andre died 93, but then this man was having a funeral for him in like 99. So <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, but Andre died in 1993. How do you hold a funeral for somebody six years later? Damn big boss man dug him up. Um Doing God's so, work. <laughs> this is the first of two matches that these two were scheduled to have tonight. If you want to call it a match, the concept is that Hogan, and the giant are going to drive their respective monster trucks and attempt to push the other out of the ring. I wish, I wish I was making all of this up. Um, Eric Bischoff and Bob Chandler joined Heenan on commentary for this. Chandler was the oh, man. Thank that- God. <laughs> Chandler was the man that designed both trucks. Um, both men are are just yelling back and forth as they are told the rules. The trucks are, you know, welded together and they start pushing each other back and forth. Hogan is shown inside his truck with his kid steering wheel and he starts mm-hmm. to push the giant out of the ring. Um, he push he keeps the he keeps up the pushing as a giant is shown inside his truck with his childlike steering wheel. Uh, stalemate as both trucks in the middle uh, keep pushing each other back and forth. This was so fucking terrible. Hogan almost loses, but only 
one set of the tires were out of the ring. Uh, so the trucks were just continuing just pushing each other. Just great, great, compelling television. Um, the giant um, runs Hogan into a randomly placed firecracker on the ground. This is real. Uh, yeah. Hogan starts up with some. Like, oh, what are the charges went off? I'm like, there's dynamite yeah. up there now. <laughs> and then Hogan, uh, Hogan starts hulking up. So the momentum um, and pushes the giant out of the ring to win this. Whatever. Both men get out of their trucks and the giant lifts Hogan up by the neck. They both climb to the top and the edge of Nakatomi Tower where Hogan hits a couple punches and the giant is dead. The giant has been murdered. Um, he's been punched off of a building to his death. Um, Hogan is just shocked and he runs to get help for now the dead giant. Um, he he runs uh, help and then runs off. It's like wow, I haven't seen acting that good since Mister Nanny. <laughs> um, look, this was just so. This was worse than bad. This was worse than I ever could have expected it to be. These are the kind of things that really make wrestling look so phony and just so bad. Um, I, I look at this and then I'm like, ah, well, here's Paul White involved in. Uh, some sort of sumo event at a major pay-per-view. Yeah. And then yeah. as luck and then as luck would have it in the future. I mean the giant getting he was pushed going off. he was going to have another sumo match at a <laughs> big pay-per-view. I know. You know the giant getting pushed off the edge here was just icing on the cake. Um then we come back here. I don't know how they're able to come back from this, but uh, Lex Luger versus Macho Man. Macho Man gets the win at five minutes, gets a, a quick elbow drop for the win at five minutes and 13 seconds. It wasn't much of a match at all. Like, really. Why couldn't just... they have gone 13 minutes? Yeah, why couldn't they have gone 13 minutes? I had to minutes? watch Mango 13 minutes. I couldn't watch Macho Mango 13 minutes. <laughs> oh. And the main event here is a WCW World Heavyweight title match Hulk Hogan versus the Giant, who is uh, dead. Um, Hogan comes out first. Um, and grabs a mic and says he didn't mean to commit the murder of the giant by pushing him off the building. <laughs> but hey, um, I used my creative control and now I just said <laughs> I know. Um, but hey, the giant has been reincarnated as the giant and he is alive and he's running to the ring to grab Hogan. And this is absolutely amazing. We watched a living, breathing miracle on live television on paper. You, you know, and and just and, and just for for argument's sake, it took Jesus three days to come back to life. I and know, it, and it took the big show five minutes. It took it's like, who are we really worshiping here? Um, <laughs> Don't you fucking dare! <laughs> um, you know, Hogan, you know where I stand, but even I won't I, believe that shit. <laughs> you know. Uh, Hogan hits the big boot later on, uh, but the giant obviously stands up. I mean, he is a a, a ghost. Uh, he he. We get to the end here. Um, the giant locks in a bear hug, and as Sullivan and Hart are in the ring, uh, cheering it on, Savage and Luger run out of the ring, but Luger attacks Savage before he can do anything. And then here we go. Wrestling history is about to occur. The Yeti makes his way down to the ring and locks in a sexual bear hug unlike anything we'd ever seen before or after um, from behind Hogan. So that brother didn't have creative control on this night. Um, if you haven't seen this yet, the visual is worth every bit of your time. So please go find that. Just, um, just picture the big show hugging Hulk Hogan and then a mummy hugging Hulk Hogan from behind while also kind of sort of gyrating. So oh, it almost looks like he's yep. trying to penetrate a little bit. Just good stuff here. Good stuff. Um, this is good TV. It was electrifying. Riveting. It was electrifying. Um, so both men continue to lock on Hogan, eventually having Luger put him in the torture rack. He racks Savage too as a crowd boos relentlessly. Um, the referee or somebody finally goes, look, we got to end this shit. Um, and their winner and still WCW heavyweight champion, of course, is Hulk Hogan. Excuse me, Chris. That I'm bell sorry. rang, but the big show left with that bell. That's true. The, the, the match, giant left with I'm that. sorry, the giant. The match was 15 minutes, but, you know, eight Not minutes like you... of it was a bear hug. So 
Um, Eight minutes of it was rape. <laughs> yes. The the mummy looked ridiculous, and that bear hug was just something to behold. He uh, even held his arms out like he was Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, it's I like, thought dude, for sure. Dude, what are you even attempting here? I, I thought for sure it was the, the mummy from Under Wraps, that Disney Halloween movie, but that didn't come out yet. But um, the, <laughs> the crowd was into everything Hogan was doing, which I guess helped a little bit. But look, they told the story of Hogan and Andre multiple times throughout the match. And they even duplicated some of the spots, but it was just bad. It was just bad, man. Um, out of 10, George, what do, what do you give this? The pay-per-view on the whole or just that end? The pay-per-view as a whole. A uh, three. That's where I'm at. It's not a good pay-per-view. No. It was it's, mem- it's memorable for all the right. wrong reasons. But that's why I gave it a three, because it's memorable. Yeah. It left us with something for eternity. I mean, and the reason why the the ref even called the disqualification wasn't because the 14 members of the Dungeon of Doom came out. It was because Jimmy Hart hit the ref with the belt because Jimmy Hart turned on Hogan right. in a match and then and like caused all of this. And like I and I guess I just didn't remember the rest of WW from like Halloween Havoc '95. Up to Great American Bash 1996, or yeah, up to Great American Bash 1996. I didn't remember anything that happened in between that that didn't involve Scott Hall or Kevin Nash. So I forgot that the Giant had the belt stripped from him, like not the next night on Nitro, like another week mm-hmm. after that. And then it went up for grabs in the World War Three Battle Royal. Uh, which was won by Savage due to shenaniganery from fucking the giant. Like Hogan's like, oh, I didn't get a little you know, Hogan shit. And then like, <laughs> then somehow Sting got the belt and then the giant won the belt back. And I'm like, I, I don't know how any of this happened. And I'm sure as I'm not going to go back and watch 40 fucking weeks of late of mid nineties WCW to figure out how we got to this point. So I'm going to read and just sum up. That was basically what that was. <laughs> I completely understand. I, I get it completely. But like the um, whole reason why like the giant left with the belt was because apparently when the match was made, Jimmy Hart threw in a stipulation that the belt could change hands on disqualification. Uh oh, that's right. You're right. But it was right. never like mentioned that day. It's like, oh, I thought we were doing a match here. I guess nobody read the rules. Nobody, nobody read the rules. That's no. right. N- nobody in this paper no. read the rules. No. Um, all right. So that wraps up Halloween Havoc 1995. Um, G- uh, George and I share the same view, same rating. Um, but look, it was memorable and we'll give it that. Um, next week or whenever I'm able to record again, which hopefully it won't be as long. I don't think it will. We're going to cover Fall Brawl 1998, which was War Games. Uh, we're going to take care of that. We covered Fall Brawl 97. Um, so oh, we're boy. Do... Another another pay-per-view that's memorable for all the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll be taking care of that. I can't wait to cover a WCW show with the Ultimate Warrior on it. So um, that's always wonderful. This was actually one of the biggest, like, worst travesty pay-per-views ever. Like, I... I watched half of it already. I've seen it many times before, and it's just so awful, and I can't it's wait to good. talk about it. Um, but, uh, George, thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm Christy Francesco. That is George Rogers, and we'll catch you guys down the road. We'll see you guys here hopefully next week. If not, I will definitely try to get here uh, the following week. Um, just doing my best here, ladies and germs. But um, we'll see you, and have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>